نقبله ونستعينه ونستغفره ونستهديه ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا انه من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله بلغ الرساله وادى الامانه ونصح الامه وكشف الغمه وتركنا على المحجه البيضاء اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا وحبيبنا وقدوتنا محمد بن عبد الله وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله ولتنظر نفس ما قدمت لغد واتقوا الله ان الله خبير بما تعملون in the name of Allah the beneficent the gracious the merciful I bear witness that there is no deity worthy of Allah Azza wa Jal worthy of worship except Allah Azza wa Jal the creator and sustainer of the heavens and the earth and I bear witness that Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his final messenger my dear brothers, my dear sisters we're at the doorsteps of the month of Ramadan just uh, weeks away, less than a month and indeed uh, a great promise of Allah is about to be delivered and we're Thankful to Allah, may Allah make us among the grateful, to be able, inshallah, to see this great month is a blessing of Allah Azza wa Jalla and a favor, and indeed many might be deprived of this opportunity. And all of us need to be thinking, brothers and sisters, and, and, and really um, kind of socking ourselves up, preparing ourselves for this incredible opportunity from Allah Azza wa Jalla that might not come again in our lives. And many of us might be concerned as to how to get ready for the month of Ramadan. I say, just turn your hands to Allah Azza wa Jalla and say, Ya Allah, prepare me. Don't worry. Allah, brothers and sisters, by the first day you'll see yourself ready. Right? All we have to do right now is yearn and ask Allah Azza wa Jalla that Allah doesn't deprive us of this month. The rest is in Allah Azza wa Jalla. The rest is in Allah. Allah wants to see what's in the hearts. In يَعْلَمِ اللَّهُ فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ خَيْرًا يُؤْتِكُمْ خَيْرًا If Allah sees good in your hearts, as he says in the Qur'an, if he sees good in your hearts, a desire and an intention for Allah, a sense of care for Allah Azza wa Jal, Allah will deliver good. This is the hand of Allah Azza wa Jal. It's the hand of Allah that does wonders, that makes the impossible possible, that heals, that restores, that elevates, that really, brothers and sisters, allows us to witness unprecedented goodness in our lives. That no matter where we are in our lives, Allah can heal. Allah can restore, Allah can open doors. And how many of us understand who we're dealing with? We're dealing with Allah. We're not dealing with human beings. And Allah is about to, to open the doors of the heavens. Today my question to you and myself is, right now, right at this moment, what is it that Allah is looking for us to do in our lives? Right now as we prepare for the month of Ramadan, but, but in fact as we just look and yearn, and that's what I'm talking about, in the hearts, in our hearts, as we yearn for Allah's pleasure and mercy. And may Allah plant in our hearts a desire for His mercy. Are there any things, any one act, that Allah Azzawajal, we can present to Him, that with that one act, He can really prepare us for the month of Ramadan. He can really turn our lives around. What does this whole deen reduce itself to? Extraordinarily, Amazingly, everywhere you look in the Qur'an, you're going to see this faith coming down to two fundamental things. Not a third. And we've really been covering them in great depth in our, in our Sunday morning halaqah. 
And I'm amazed every single time I come across verses in the Quran that speak of these two fundamental pillars of our faith and religion. Because we really have complicated our religion. We see it in Surah Al-Duha, where Allah speaks to His Prophet, giving him glad tidings of duha by the morning light. Don't grieve and don't despair. No matter how tough your life is, Allah sending this glad tidings to the Prophet ﷺ when he was grieving. You and I are grieving. You and I are in pain. You and I are facing issues. Allah tells the Prophet ﷺ, look at the morning light. And when, you know, look at the night when it's still. Our lives appear to be still at times. Not moving. Maybe our efforts are not reaping anything. Maybe we're struggling with, with, with serious problems in our lives, with our children, with provision, with illness, with seeing and witnessing people struggle in our lives and perhaps feeling you know, helpless. It appears still. Allah says, look at the morning light. Indeed, your Lord has not forsaken you. How often do you need to be reminded? Your, your Lord, your nurture, Rabbuk, Yours and mine has not forsaken you. Right now, He has not forsaken you. How many more reminders do we need of this? That indeed the greatest presence, the greatest power in existence is by your side. Enough for us to understand this. And He's looking at all of us to just see what we'll do. He tells the Prophet ula. The next one in your life, the next stage is better than the present one. Your Lord... Your generous, mighty, powerful Lord shall continue to deliver to you, grant you, because the hand of Allah is not stingy. The hand of Allah is boundless. The hand of Allah possesses the heavens and the earth and its treasures. What are we worried about? So he says to the Prophet ﷺ, don't worry about how stale and still and dark things look right, right now as if nothing is working out in your life. People are giving you a hard time. You actually lost people in your life. You lost your wife. You lost your uncle who is caring for you. Don't worry. You're dealing with Allah and He's by your side. And this Lord of yours is so caring and loving and generous, He shall continue to give you and give you and give you until you're satisfied. Are we convinced that Allah will give us until we're satisfied? Are we convinced of the boundless treasures of Allah that He will heal, He'll allow us to recover? What is it that Allah is looking for then? Two fundamental things within the same surah. He says to the Prophet Here's your mission in life. Here's your duty in life. Here's what you need to worry about right now. As for the orphan and the needy, don't be harsh with them. How soft is your heart? How giving is your hand? From the very gifts that Allah bestowed on us. Those who ask you, don't turn them away, don't repulse them. Don't be harsh with them. وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثِ That was the first meaning. How giving are you? How charitable are you? From the very gifts that Allah has given you. How soft is your heart? Is one of the most fundamental meanings of our religion. One of the fruits of faith. It is at, it's at the heart and at the core of our religion. Without it, all the rituals that we do are meaningless. And the second... وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثْ Be grateful to your Lord. Ultimately, by praying and bowing to Him. Two things that our religion comes down to. That we need to pass on to our children and families and everyone that inquires even about our faith. Two things. Worship Allah Azza wa Jalla. With humility and a sense of gratitude. 
Not because we have to. Because Allah deserves it. Because Allah deserves it. Worshipping and bowing our heads, something we're going to intensify in the month of Ramadan. You know why, brothers and sisters? Because Allah deserves it. Because we're supposed to be grateful to Allah for all of His gifts. And here's an opportunity to intensify our, our, our expression of gratitude. Someone who continues to give you and give you and give you, and he says, put your head on the floor, on the ground for me. You're going to be elevated by it. You can do it because you feel that you have to, or you can come to me with a sense of gratitude. This very act of the sujood to Allah is supposed to soften your hearts. Soften our hearts, a second meaning of our religion. So that we can start empathizing and feeling the pain of others around us. And those who are blessed by Allah are the ones whose hearts are softened. How soft are our hearts? How many of us are aware of those who are crying out of hunger right now? You and I are debating what to eat for lunch and dinner. Maybe complain about the food outside. Maybe in my case, I'm thinking, which school should I send my children to? And we get tormented by the decisions right in life. Luxuries of life. Right now, the question of a school for millions of people on this earth are not even on the table as an option. The question for them is, where is the next meal going to come from? Many brothers and sisters cannot find a bad aid to, to, for their children when they're wounded. Many of them are terrified and tormented by the, the idea that the thought that a bomb could fall on my home right now and take my children out. And they live in absolute fear. How many of us feel any sense of concern for them? This is one of the fundamental meanings of our religion. And those who are blessed are those who care. And indeed, the Prophet ﷺ tells us in a beautiful hadith that Allah will not even accept the prayer of those whose hearts are dead. They don't care. Because all they think about is their needs. Not even empathizing, not even being able to put themselves in the shoes of others who are struggling. If your child cries right now, what will you do to help them out? To, feed, to meet their needs? I remember my own daughter when she broke her arm. I, I lost it. Just... Put you know, your child in front of you crying for help out of pain is a tormenting moment for the father or the mother. Right now, millions of children are crying out of hunger. Right now. And because their cries are far away, it doesn't make it any less real. Maybe we're distant from it. But it doesn't make it any less real. How far have we gone to relieve the pain of others around us? Here, even in our neighborhoods. If we don't have that sense of care, all of the rituals that we're performing are meaningless. Because this is one of the fundamental goals of our religion, to raise you up, to soften and humanize you and me. This is one of the objectives of the month of Ramadan. Make us feel the pang of hunger. Not because, you know what, Allah wants us to struggle. Ultimately, it is to put you through an experience that allows you to feel the hunger of someone else. And the pain of someone else. Because we're far removed from pain. We're far removed from pain. Oftentimes we reject pain, not understanding that pain, when it comes to us, it is supposed to make us feel somebody else's experience and be in somebody else's pain. That's really why Allah makes us feel pain. How many of us have stepped up today before tomorrow that when we see somebody falling, we lift them up? That somebody is crying around us, we wipe their tears. That we really, brothers and sisters, struggle, struggle to lift and give 
and give and give until it is, you know, we have no more to give from the best of what we have. Not the little crumbs of our lives. Time, effort, sure, money. Whatever it takes to literally give life to others around us. And many of, and how many of us could care less? Brothers and sisters, I'm reminded of a beautiful story from one of the giants in our faith. Because oftentimes we do not understand what it is that makes someone so beloved to Allah Azza wa And why some people really turn into stars. And why we admire them so much. It is those selfless souls that went out of their way despite every reason to be sitting in their homes and to feel or live the life of luxury. This giant that I'm talking about is Umar ibn al-Khattab because Umar ibn al-Khattab, the second Khalifa, is known to be a very strong figure. A towering figure, isn't he? Right? Perhaps someone who uh, uh, arouses a sense of fear in many. That's how we perceive him. No idea that Omar possessed one of the softest hearts. Softest hearts. That you cry at night. Cry at night. Out of a sense of concern for those that were under his responsibility. Under his responsibility. So much that he would say, if a camel tripped, when he was the governor, when he was the prince of the believers, if a camel tripped in Iraq, Iraq, right? If she tripped, it tripped there, I'm responsible for it. How many of us have this sense of responsibility? It is reported that one day, and he's the governor, in charge of the affairs of his community, and how big of a community was that? At night, what would he do? He would cover himself up. He cannot go to sleep. Knowing that I might go to sleep and somebody is crying out of hunger. He would grab his servant, Aslam, and he would go check on people without meaning to be recognized. He doesn't want to be recognized. He wants to be able to access the reality of those around him. So it is reported that he went out at night on a little excursion to check and see who needs what. And it is reported that in the middle of the night he found a light at a distance. He saw this light and he told his servant, let's go check that light out. Let's see what's, what's going on right there. And they went and they found a fire. They found a fire. And he approached closer, and he noticed that there was a woman there, with children around a campfire. So he greeted her by saying, Assalamu alaikum ahl al-dawr. Greetings of peace upon you, people of the light. He didn't say people of the fire. Otherwise he would suggest that they're worshipping fire. Greetings of peace upon you, people of the light. She said, alaikum as-salam. He says, can I approach and she says, approach for good or stay distant. If you have any ill intentions, stay away. He says, no ill intentions. Can I approach? She says, approach. He approached her and he, sh- he saw those children and he heard their cries. Their cry around the campfire. He says, what's going on with you? Why are the children crying? She says, it's very cold and they're very hungry. There's no food. We're poor. So he took another step, and there was a pot above the fire. And he looked into it, and he found no food. Instead, he found rocks with water being boiled. So he turned out to the woman, astonished. He says, what is this? What is this in the pot? She says, I have some rocks, and I'm boiling water with them to make my children think that there is food coming. But there is no food coming. 
and they're crying. I'm hoping that they would cry and perhaps have this hope that food would come and they would fall asleep. Fall asleep. I have nothing to offer them. And then she turned to him and she says, one day, Allah will be the judge between me and Umar. She has no idea it's Umar. One day, Allah will be the judge between me and Umar. He says, whoa, whoa, woman. Whoa, whoa, woman. Don't say anything about Umar. How would Umar know about your condition? He's concerned for himself now. How would he know? She says, well, how can he assume responsibility over all of us? He assumed, he accepted this responsibility to be in charge of all of us, and then he would neglect us. Brothers and I can imagine just the heart of Omar pounding at that moment, pounding, out of concern, out of pain, out of the enormous sense of responsibility, out of that burden. He didn't even respond. He grabbed his servant and started running. Running where? He says to his servant, let's go, run. And the, and the servant reports the story, and he says, we started to run. And he says, where are we going? He says, we're going to the warehouse. And it was a long distance at night. It wasn't just a couple of you know, yards away. Running and running, back to the town, to the warehouse where the food is stored. And he went in, as the governor, imagine, of this huge, massive land. Territories under his governorship. Himself doing it. The, the, the servant, Aslan, says, I saw him grabbing sacks. And he grabbed this sack of flour and grabbed some, some uh, meat shortening. Some, that's what they had at the time. Like, not this abundant meat. You go to the butcher shop and you pick the meat. and None of this was available. They ate very little. So he grabbed some food shortening, meat shortening, the fat of it. And then he gave it to the servant and he says, put it on my back. Aslam, the servant, says, no, oh, you know, Amir, the prince of the believers, no, no, I'll carry it. He says, put it on my back. I'm demanding you, put it on my back. You're not going to carry this. Are you going to carry my burden on the day of judgment? Put it on my back. And he says, I, I, you know, hesitatingly, I put it on his back. And we started to run back. And I'm looking at him, concerned, here is the, the governor of the believers, walking back, running with this massive load on his back. And sometimes he would stop to just take a break and catch his breath. And I would say, please let me help you. And he says, you're not helping me. You're not going to carry my burden on the day of judgment. And we kept running back until we arrived at the campfire. And the woman was still there and the children are crying. He put the sacks down and proceeded to actually ignite the fire himself because the fire was out. Ignited the fire, put the food in the pot, and then Aslam wanted to help Omar says, step back. I'm doing it all. And he says, I saw him in front of my eyes igniting the fire. And as he was attempting to make the fire, you know, uh, be, you know, be, you know, last, he says, I'd see him reaching under the pot, blowing on the fire. And I saw the ashes going through his thick beard. Ashes coming into his beard. And he's not concerned. He wasn't even thinking about his beard or his clothes or anything. Ashes blowing on him. And he cooked the food while the woman was waiting there. And the children are around the campfire crying. And he says he cooked the food and finished the food. And then served the food to the children. And after he served the food, Aslam went up to, the, to Omar. Omar was standing just looking at them eat. He says, oh, governor of the believers, can we go now? We have work to do. And he said he didn't even respond to me. He just kept looking. 
And he said, I stepped back when he didn't respond. And he just kept watching the children until they finished eating. And they went to sleep. They all went to sleep. Then he turned to me and he said, I did not want to leave until I saw that they were fed, made sure they were fed, and went to sleep. He went back to the woman. And he said, anything else I can do now? She said, may Allah bless you. May Allah reward you. You're an angel. Allah sent you to us. And she kept making dua and dua, and then she said, but Allah, you are better and more worthy of being responsible for all of us than Umar. He says, well, woman, don't say anything but good. Please don't say anything but good. She says, but Allah, you're better than Umar. She says, don't, he says, don't say anything bad. Say good. She says, Allah sent you to us. May Allah reward you. And here she goes making du'as and du'as and du'as for him. Then he says, no worries. I want you to do this. I want you to go to Umar ibn al-Khattab. Because the door was open for the governor. You don't have to go through hoops and loops and red tape to get to the governor. He says, I want you to go to Martin and ask him and he's going to give you what you need. And if indeed you end up going there, you're going to find me there. You'll find me there. And this woman has no idea who she was talking to. Brothers and sisters, as I look at this story, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm thinking to myself, as we live our lives of luxury, how many of us would bother to step out of our comfort? Not to just go write a check for someone. This is not what our faith is about. It's easy to write a check and dismiss the responsibility. And it will still keep us locked in our spaces away from pain that we would step out of our comfort to go feel the pain of someone else. It'll transform you and me. It'll transform us. It'll heal us. Here's the governor, Umar ibn al-Khattab, the giant Umar, that people think, you know, people were afraid of him. Stepping out of not only his comfort, brothers and sisters, he had every reason to send his servants to take care of the people. Himself going out to feel the pain and witness what's happening. And I feel that Umar became Umar, the great Umar ibn al-Khattab that we all get inspired by because of these things. Because he is a giant man whose heart was so soft. And with his softness, he transformed an ummah. A whole community of people transformed earth. That's why Umar is, who, is the Umar ibn al-Khattab that we know about. And I wonder, brothers and sisters, for those of us, how many lives have we touched? Do you even think that Ramadan is also about this? About softening our hearts? The Prophet says it beautifully. Because all of us are busy thinking it's all just an intensification of worship. The Prophet says, do you know what is the most, or who is the most beloved person to Allah? And what is the most beloved deed to Allah? How many of us are concerned with this question? He says, the most beloved person to Allah are those who are most beneficial, those who heal others. Here's If your heart does not care, does not feel the pain, does not show compassion towards someone to literally fulfill their needs, we're, we're not grasping the essence of this faith. And that worship itself has not produced its fruits. Those are the chosen, those are the most beloved to Allah. And then he says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the most beloved deed is for you to relieve and fulfill the need of someone who needs it. Or for you to pay their debts. Or for you to feed their stomachs. And by Allah, for me to go out, look at this, out, run, 
walk in the service of someone who needs. Walk in their service. Not just write a check. Walk in their service. To be with them is better than making i'tikaf. You know what i'tikaf is? We love to do it in Ramadan. To literally stay in the masjid. Worshipping Allah around the clock and sleeping in the masjid. Something we love to do in Ramadan. It's a sunnah of Prophet Muhammad And we should do it if we have the ability and the time. He says, for me to go out and relieve someone and heal them and fulfill their need is better than staying in my own masjid doing i'tikaf for a whole month. How many of us think about this? That Abdullah ibn Abbas was sitting one time in i'tikaf in the masjid and when we make the intention, you shouldn't leave. That's the reward. You should not leave until, unless there is a really good reason. And he's sitting with his, with his friends, doing i'tikaf, worshipping Allah, and somebody comes into the masjid and whispers into the aid of Abdullah ibn Abbas. This is the cousin of Prophet Muhammad And the people saw him whispering, and they saw you know, Abdullah getting up and leaving the masjid. He left the i'tikaf, went with this man. A few hours later, he comes back into i'tikaf. They said, oh, Abdullah, what did you do? You're the most knowledgeable of us. And you just left the i'tikaf. He says, didn't you hear the Prophet ﷺ say that if you walk in the service of someone, your brother or your sister, it's better than staying in this masjid for a whole month? This man needed something. Very simple. I didn't even think twice. Brothers and sisters, the Prophet ﷺ told a man who complained of his own harshness. He says, my heart doesn't feel pain of anyone. It's harsh. And he's at least honest. What should I do? He says, go find an orphan. Find the orphan, go out of your comfort and find that orphan. And when you find that orphan, boy or girl, I want you to stroke their heads with your hands. It'll soften you, it'll transform you. I'm reminded of what Omar did. He was there witnessing the tears, feeding the children, feeling the pain of a mother, making dua that Allah sends her some food and provision. Was he not the answer to her dua? Literally, she, she cried out to Allah, Oh Allah, heal me. Feed my children. And Allah sent her Umar ibn al-Khattab, the governor, as a means to feed them. Are you and I an answer to anyone's dua? See, people ask for help in their lives. Healing, fulfillment of needs. Can you and I become the fulfillment of their dua? Or are we always just looking for people to heal us? Until we step up and do this, brothers and sisters, our faith is very superficial. Our religion has not really grown into a fruit, a tree that really shades others around us. What a beautiful meaning in our faith, and it's something we have to embody today before tomorrow because it's accessible. It's easy to wipe a tear, to see somebody around you who needs anything, maybe just sharing their grief. How many of us are willing to sit down and listen to their story and to their pain? Did we not know that you are never closer to Allah, never closer to Allah, until you heal the broken, Lift somebody who has fallen and wipe the tears. And how many tears are there close to you and around this earth? May Allah soften our hearts today before tomorrow. May Allah make us among the generous who raise to please Allah with the simplest of deeds that can heal us and heal others around us. أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله العظيم لي ولكم فاستغفروه. الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الخلق وسيد المسلمين سيدنا محمد 
You know, brothers and sisters, it's an, amazing, it's an amazing thing to see the perspectives of people on the needy. My children were learning about poor people in the county, one of their classes, and, and the person who came to teach them, and he's in charge of a charity, he said to the children in the class, they use the word poor. It's not a good usage. Say they need something, they're, but don't use the word poor. Right? They don't have access to things. Because the notion of poor means they're somehow lesser than you. No, brothers and sisters, perhaps we're the poor ones. Perhaps we're the poor ones. Perhaps they're richer than us. And who would have thought that maybe it's the, the poor people that we need in our lives, the needy. It's the other way around. We need them. That we're so connected to the needy. Allah puts them in our path for our own healing and growth. We'll never be normal in human beings. Our hearts will never be humanized until we really step out of our comfort. So they're an opportunity for us. And perhaps we're poorer than them. You see Prophet Muhammad sallallahu in a beautiful hadith. He says, He says, Do you even think you can receive abundance, provision, and triumph in your lives without the weak ones amongst you? No way. How many of us have thought that we need the needy for us to be elevated, to be healed, to receive the provision of Allah, even triumph? In another beautiful hadith, he says, Abhuni fi du'afaikum. Where are they? I want to find them. I want them. The needy, the broken. For, فَإِنَّمَا تُرْزَقُونَ وَتُنْصَرُونَ بِدُعَافَائِكُمْ A second time, he says, By Allah, verily you shall be healed and elevated and find triumph in your life by means of those needy people. And in another hadith, he says, إِنَّ نَنْصِرُ اللَّهُ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةَ بِدْعَيْفِهَا بِدْعَوَتِهِمْ وَصَلَاتِهِمْ وَإِخْلَاصِهِمْ He says, verily, Allah gives victory to this ummah, to this community of believers, by virtue of its weak. The weak amongst them, by virtue of their salah, their sincerity, and their dua. You see, if you see weak people, supposedly needy people, or poor people as we define them, you need, and I need their du'as more than anything else. We need, we desperately need their du'as for our collective healing more than anything else. Have you ever thought of this? Not that they need us. Aisha used to thank the poor who comes and asks for help. When somebody knocks on her door, and she opens the door, and somebody there says, feed me, she starts to make du'a for them. And others ask her, why are you making du'a for the one asking you, begging for food? She says, Allah sent them to me as a gift. I cannot even get elevated without them. I need them more than they need me. SubhanAllah, Allah will provide to them. Allah, brothers, this is what an opportunity. Every single day of our lives. Here's how we get close to Allah Azza To really, brothers and sisters, step out of our comfort to lift and heal those who need healing. And if we're not able to deliver this to our families and our communities and our surroundings, we're no good. But it is ultimately what Allah wants out of us, to soften our hearts. Ramadan is coming to soften our hearts. But I ask you today, how many of us are willing to experience discomfort by paying, right? And sweating in the service of those who need. Who need. How many of us are really understanding that unless we push, we'll never get. And until we, re, you know, we you know, plant the seeds, we'll never reap anything in our lives. No matter how much we pretend and stand up and pray. This is our faith, brothers and sisters. This is indeed one of the objects of the month of Ramadan. Today before tomorrow, may Allah make us among those who heal. And may Allah soften our hearts. And may Allah make us among those who wipe tears. 
and who lift the broken and lift the fallen. May Allah make us among those who raise in the service of those who need us, who need Allah. And may Allah make them make dua for all of us. And may Allah answer their duas. May Allah answer their duas and all of our duas. May Allah fulfill our desires. May Allah fulfill our needs. May Allah heal the broken amongst us. May Allah heal our families and children. May Allah guide us to the straight path. May Allah make us reach the month of Ramadan. Reach Laylat al-Qadr. May Allah make us among the best of communities. May Allah make us among the charitable and the most generous on this earth. May Allah make us among His soldiers. Those who are chosen to wipe the tears and lift the broken and the fallen. Allahumma ameen. 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 Allahumma 